This is Dawn of Sports featuring Dawn Mitchell of Fox 9, and we've been doing the show for a few weeks now. It's been an absolute blast. We've had great guests, uh, all thanks to Dawn. Today's guest, uh, longtime NFL and other kind of stuff reporter, Laura Oakman, uh, really you know, important person in the business. I think it's going to be a really fascinating conversation about not only her career, but how she has empowered other women. Really looking forward to that conversation. Uh, we're going to start, though, by talking about the Vikings' victory. Don and I were at U.S. Bank Stadium on Monday night. And just to let you know, uh, this is Don of Sports. This is part of TalkNorth.com. If you like the show, please subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's the easiest way to listen. It's also free. You can go to TalkNorth.com. You can find all of our other sports shows, all of our variety shows, all of our outdoor shows. Again, if you like the show, subscribe. Uh, we've got Krasinski, Russo, uh, Jeff Diamond, uh, John Millay, Roy Smalley, Lavelle Neal. We have so many people I can't always remember them all. And it's great to add Don to this list. We've had Mark Rosen, Mike Chirico, Jim Cott, Chad Greenway, Jack Jablonski. And, and we have been meaning to have more women guests on. Laura's going to be the first of many. Looking forward to it. So, Don, Monday night was fun. Whew. And you know what? I, I wasn't shocked because I thought they could pull it out. But I was maybe surprised with the defensive play, how fun it was for fans. And it was enjoyable. I don't know for you, Jim, but it was enjoyable for me to watch too. It was, it was a great game. It was good football after that initial pickoff. Yeah. Um, it was, it was enjoyable to watch that. I left there going, wow, that was a feel good win. It was. And you know, I actually, I'm going to brag because I never get a chance to brag because I don't pick games very accurately very often, but on the, Viking Update show last week, I said that they would beat the the 49ers. You did? Yeah. I just had this weird feeling. Yeah. I just thought that playing at home Monday night, they hadn't played well all season. I think they're better than they've shown. I thought they'd be geared up for it. Trent Williams and Debo Samuel being out, even the playing field a little bit. I just had a feeling that they would find a way to, to at least make it close in the fourth quarter. And frankly, they were better than that. They they led the whole way. Mm-hmm. And one of the most impressive things for me, Don, was the fact that Jordan Addison while replacing Justin Jefferson, having to take over the number one role as a rookie, and a very small rookie, by the way. Mm-hmm. First route he runs, corner plays physical, jams him, steals the ball from him. Bye-bye. And you wonder, okay, mm-hmm. is he just not going to be able to face up to a physical defense? And then he dominated that physical defense the rest of the way. He could have caught four touchdown passes. Oh, easily. One time, the, the defensive back grabbed his hand on a pass I'm sure he would have caught. And as good as well as Kirk Cousins played, and Kirk Cousins played great, he did miss Addison in the back of the end zone once. Yes, he did. Well, what I really like, too, is they talked all week about responding, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You feel like, oh, is that another buzzword? When you saw it in his face, you know, uh, we can't see really from the press box, but you look up, you can catch a review here and there. And so we asked him at the end of the game, and he said he went right after that initial. With it, he basically had the ball ripped out of his hands. Um, players can get embarrassed. They can get, especially a rookie, can get deflated. He he got mad. And I like that. I really like that attitude that he got mad and was like, I went into kill mode after that. Um, and I wonder if that's going to be kind of a, a thing for his career. So the fact that he not only got mad, then the defense backed it up real quick. Right. So that was kind of like, oh, it kind of took the sting away. And then he got this first touchdown. What I really loved was the payback one. 
in the, you know, in the biggest play of the game, the biggest play, his payback touchdown. That was just beautiful. So, um, I really enjoyed seeing a guy. I mean, I've told you about my whole Larry Bird story, right? You get the embarrassment, you handle it, you, you eat your dose and then you come back. And so I love to see him do that. When I asked him, I said, you have, you're fearless in the middle. Like that's in the middle. You're fearless. He goes, that's why they got me. You know, and he didn't say it cocky, like, well, yeah, because he knows what happened at the beginning of that game. Um, I love to see that because he's a slight guy. He is a slight guy. So you have to amp up your physicality in the NFL. And to see him do that and then almost have the exact same play later and burn the same guy instead, that was beautiful. It was. And I also give Cousins credit. Uh, he, you know, this team has a, had a bad habit of turning the ball over early, of not performing well in the first quarter, of getting behind and not being able to come back. And Cousins, instead of going, okay, you know, God, the rookie just cost me an interception that I don't deserve. He came right back to him yeah. immediately. And, and he really fed Addison and Hawkinson, the two guys who were going to have matchup advantages because of Addison's quickness and Hawkinson's size and hands. You know, and that shows that you have confidence too, right? So especially, I mean, Hawk, we already know that he has confidence in this game. But for a rookie that just had that happen to him, to have your quarterback come right back at you, that is great. What I was surprised, I had to double check my facts, but that was their first first quarter touchdown it was. of the year. Yep. And you're like, oh. It's crazy. And last year, they were great on the first drive of the game, and they were great in the fourth quarter, and they were sluggish in the middle quarters. Yep. I, I think what this says, at least to me, is, you know, they have underperformed so far this year. But when I picked this team to win 11 games at the beginning of the season, I thought they'd be three and four at this point. Really? You know, yeah. I just thought they would beat It's Tam a tough stretch at the beginning. I, yeah, I thought yeah, yeah. they would beat Tampa, and I thought they'd lose to the 49ers, and I thought the other games would all go about the same, and they'd be three and four. Now they have a stretch of six very winnable games. Yes. And they're playing better. And they're going to get Jefferson back in the middle of that. They'll probably get Davenport back in the middle of that. I, well, we're going to, you know, uh, when we get to a later segment, I actually have a prediction or, or an expectation. For now, I'll just say, I think they're in way better shape than people realize. Right, because they're already in the wild card conversation yeah. as we are now. Yep. And like you said, we're going into a stretch that is winnable. I mean, yes, is it tough when you go to Green Bay, regardless who, of who's out there, but the way the Vikings are playing and the way the – Green Bay Packers are playing. It should be a win. It should be a win. Yep. And then, uh, was it Atlanta after that? Yep, I, and I New Orleans, which New can't Orleans. score. Uh, you know, the Bears are in that mix again. Then Denver. Denver is bad. Uh, they've got a chance to go on a run here. Exactly, exactly. And what I was really happy about, okay, they got the offense going. Great. There wasn't. A, they got a touchdown before the half, too. It wasn't that sluggish, like, all right, we're going to limp into halftime kind of feel. Um, and then when the defense – came out when Cam Bynum got those two interceptions in the fourth quarter and especially where you're like oh my gosh here's the offense right missing it away yep. oh la, la. Um, and I just said you know the defense needs to nail this out needs to and then to have Cam Bynum get the second one first of all he's such a good kid he's a great guy he's a great guy um, just to see in the locker room so anyway 
aside from plays, I want to talk about the celebrations. <laughs> they, okay? They got back to being creative. They got back to, like, 2017, mm-hmm. right? They even stole one. They stole the Duck, Duck, Grey Duck, They right? did. They, they repurposed that. The limbo had me actually laughing out loud. And I want to go back and see who the guys were that were holding, uh, holding them up, like, you know, the stilts kind of guys. But I was like, oh, my gosh. And so when I asked them after the game, Cam said it, Jordan Hicks said it. They said, this was by design. We talked about the fact that we hadn't been having fun. We hadn't been celebrating. So we're like, it's almost... It's almost like karma. It's almost like, hey, let's let's do a celebration. Let's practice them this week because it just means we're going to get them. Well, think about it. You know, I was always fascinated. I read a scientific study once about volleyball teams, and they said the volleyball teams that actually touch each other the most, and I mean like fist bump, yeah, hugs, yeah. Sla- hand slaps, however you want to, however you want to do it, right? are the most successful. It, it's team building, and you got to think psychologically, if you're in the middle of the week practicing celebrations, what a great mindset that puts you in. How fun is it? Yeah, I think I read something similar and it was about high-fiving. Yeah. You know, and just that, and that it already gets you in that victorious mindset. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people think that's hocus pocus. I totally believe in it. I think it's true. It's like, I think words are powerful. How you speak out loud is powerful. So the fact that they said, no, this was a conscious thing for us to go and do that. I thought that was really cool. So I I enjoyed that. Now, um, the worm, <laughs> that is hard. I used to be able to do the worm, and I say used to. But, man, to do it twice. And I have a history it, of back injuries. I would never try the worm. Oh, yeah. Especially backwards, I think it's easier than four. Didn't he do forward? I don't know. I don't know. But it was impressive, though. And the cool side to that is um, – and I, th- I think I read this on NFL.com. He talked to Tom Pelissero about it. You know, we all know that Cam Bynum is very much into where his roots are from, mm-hmm. the Philippines. But what we didn't know, and I know he got married this summer, beautiful, and he, beautiful wife, beautiful setting for the wedding. They got married over there, and he was doing all of his training there. But she's still there. She can't get a visa mm-hmm. to come here. So that was his plea, you know, to try to get my, you know, my wife is like now too two football seasons she hasn't been to. So you get that, that element too. Um, and then you weave in the fact that it was national tight ends weekend. Of course. Right. And Hawkinson finally played a clean game. He did. He did. And I know that they don't watch my pregame show. Of course they do. No, right. They're in, they're in the locker room getting ready. And they That's don't how watch. they get ready. Oh yeah. So like, That's, yeah, what she got to say? I yeah. was like, uh, cause I was like, I just want him to catch one. Yes. Lately, his hands have just been like hands of stone. Um, 11 receptions for him against George Kittle, who not only is his friend now, but you know, Great it's, player. it's a guy that he absorbed everything from down in Iowa. Um, and the whole tight end. So it was great. They had t-shirts. I'm going to see what the t-shirts were. He said that their tight end coach has a word that he always says to practice. So I don't know if he could tell us what the word was, but they had to put, put on the sleeve. Like now, I'm I'm set out to find out what that was. Ooh. Might be so inside ball that we would. Oh care. no, we'll find we'll find out and we'll tell people. Yeah, but I just I left there going all right, and Kirk Cousins coming out with the top ten chain. Did you mm-hmm. see that? Yep. I'm like Jefferson put it on his neck during a post game interview. Did he? Yes. That was awesome. Yeah. I just saw him like running off the field with it. Yeah. I didn't know how he got. Yeah, it. Jefferson came out. I think it was when he was on ESPN doing Lisa Salter post-game interview, Jefferson came over and hugged him and put the 10 thing on him and they were <laughs> laughing. And uh, it, it is kind of, it, I, I actually will say, and listen, I've had, I've taken my shots at cousins about different things over the years, 
but he's become a more and more endearing personality over the last two years. Uh, and you could just see it on that, in that interview. Here's Justin Jefferson just couldn't have been happier. Right. For, for Kirk Cousins. Right. It's just, and it was genuine, yeah. you know, and w- what I like to that is to get, get someone who's new Dalton Reisner after the game was talking and he's been talking about how much he loves it in Minnesota here already. But he said, listen, it's different here. And it's not just, yeah, I'm somewhere new and I'm finally playing and I start. He goes, it's just different. The way KO runs this team, he goes, and I'm not long in the tooth, a well-traveled veteran. I've been one other team. But I've been on one other team that had the same record at one point as this team. And just how the different mindset is. And um, he just says, I'm just blown away from it. He goes, I love it. He said, the first time I go into the huddle, and I'm like, okay, oh my God, I'm gonna be here. Here's Kirk Cousins, and then here's Justin Jefferson, and then here's a, you know, he goes at practice. He goes, and what they say, welcome to the party. He goes out, and I was like, all right. So that was his initial thing, like, welcome to the party. But to see how he, he said, I haven't been here long, but I've seen them handle losses, I've seen them handle practices, and now I've seen this. He goes, I, I can't, I love it. So to have like this guy be unabashed about how much he loves, not only how they handle stuff, but the, the guys, that was really kind of cool. That it was really kind of cool to hear. All right, before we get to Laura, we're going to buzz through some topics. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to thank our longtime sponsors, Rudy, Rudy Luther Toyota and All Energy Solar. We'll tell you more about them later. Uh, as we get the show rolling, if you want to get in early and get your spot locked up, if you know anybody who wants to advertise with us, you can reach our great sales executive, Karen Cleary, at K-C-L-E-A-R-Y, K-C-L-E-A-R-Y at talknorth.com. For now, let's go to Take It From Us. Uh, Timberwolves open on Wednesday. Uh, you might The game might be played by the time you hear this, but I think we can talk in general terms. Biggest thing, they got Jaden McDaniels done mm-hmm. to a deal that doesn't prevent them from keeping this group together if they play well together. Uh, that's a big deal. Jaden da- McDaniels is one of the best defenders in the league. He's one of the best offensive players who's a great defender, and he fits this roster perfectly. Yeah, when you hear five million, a hundred, I mean, five year, one hundred and thirty six million, and when you say, "How can that be cap friendly?" It is. It in actually this is. Day and age. It's yeah. very friendly. And I just look down the roster, and I'm like, I like this team more and more. You know, you get Cat, you get Rudy, you get Ant. Now they got Jaden locked up. I said, I'm really looking forward to this. And I don't. For the first time, I'm against the trade Cat. Rumors. Well, good because that's the intelligent. Uh, stance to take. You don't well, trade. You. you don't trade one of your best players uh, until you are sure it's not going to work here. And they don't know that it's not going to work here. He actually played really well down the stretch last year. Mm-hmm. He was sick in training camp. He got injured for most of the regular mm-hmm. season. He looks great right now. He's in fantastic shape. I think he's going to have a big year. I think he's changed mentally and emotionally on this team too. So I don't know what what it, what it was. I mean, we all know. I think he's sick of taking crap. Is he? I think it's that that simple. Maybe, I'm like, all right, that's it. He's okay, been the I'm guy. He's been the guy. Everybody in Minnesota, when they complain about the Timberwolves, they complain about Carl Anthony Towns. Yep. And while the root of the complaints is accurate, he does complain to refs too much, and he hasn't won anything yet. It's true, right. true and true. The complaining to the ref thing is something every good basketball player does. Mm-hmm. They just all do. And the hasn't won anything yet is not all on him. It's on the organization. So I am pro cat. 
I am pro cat now. You know, when they're having all the issues before, when Tibbs was here and Butler and the infighting and you don't know which is which. And I'm like, I, I get annoyed by that kind of drama. I do. And, and I, some people feed into it and they want to know. And no, I'm just like, was, I'm over it. It was annoying. I, I'm annoyed by it. I don't, I was kind of like, I don't care who the source is. I just don't want to hear about it anymore. And so at that point, if they said, if they blew the team up and moved people around, I'd be okay with it. Um, did I ever think Kat was not a talent? No, I thought he was. Did I ever think he was the issue? I didn't know. I'm not in that locker room and I don't, I don't play those games. I'm like, I don't know. I have not seen it. If I'm in the locker room and I see something, then I'll know like, yeah, that guy's kind of a cancer or not. I had never thought that about it, but there was a point at one time I'm like, let's just, you know, they're going to get new logo again. <laughs> like, all right, let, let, let's get, let, revamp the roster again. You know, like, well, why not? Um, but now I'm like, no. When Cat came back from his long injury, and then was he was like Superman out of the phone booth, you know? Different dude, sharing the ball, happy for his teammates, and and contributing. And he kept he's kept that going. Yeah. I'm really, I'm looking forward to it. And now that I, I you know, Ant, he's always been a talent too, but I you see him maturing to a different level too, which I still think sky's the limit for him. But Jaden is that there's always that guy in the team that you need, right? That I don't want to say he knows his role, but he does. He but knows, he his, knows role. his role. That basketball, you have to know your role and yeah. be okay with it. And that's what makes these successful teams. And so I was with you on that too. I'm like, Oh, they locked him down five years. That's sweet. And it means they don't, have a chance of losing him next offseason, which is big. Right. Right? And listen, they're going to have to win this year or they will blow things up, and that's fine. Right. But give it a good year. Give it a good year. Keep Rudy healthy. Yep. You know, keep Cat healthy. You know, and I, I hate to say it, most of all, keep Ant healthy. Right. Um, I think I think they're going to be a fun team to follow. I think so. All right, on to hockey. Ooh, I'm still mad about that call. Okay, tell me about the call. Okay, so, you know, Zuccarello got a goal, then they disallowed it. Okay, and they and they've had a couple issues with this before, and they said that Marcus Johansson was offsides. And I know Wild fans are sick of hearing about this already, but I think this will be a continuous problem. And now, and I'm with Dean Evison in this camp. They it wasn't. He said they proceeded the puck into the zone, but it was the possession that they had the issue with. You know, he did not possess the puck. And I'm like with Dean. Dean was like, I don't know anyone on earth that would think he did not. When did he lose possession? Like, no one was there. When did he lose it? And so I am all for, if you want to, what they say, tighten up the possession rules on offsides. Ticky-tack like that, where every time in the history of hockey that has been a guy taking into the zone and feeding a guy, and it was such a crucial time. It was their go-ahead goal, and then, I don't know. I'm still mad about it. I'm just like, I don't like when they tighten up rules. It's I don't so like subjective. it when I, I don't like it when rules either go against the spirit of the game or they encourage officials to become too active. Yes. Speaking of which, yes. Speaking of which, I I, I listen. The Gopher football team they went down there. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. Yes. They, yes. Hey. They, Wait a minute. Am, am they, I? What am do, I doing? They do not. Have, you're you're calling hand. a fair catch, and uh, I'm going to ignore it and run the ball back anyway. Uh, the Gophers don't have to apologize for winning Iowa City in any way possible. They played well. They put themselves in a position to win. They beat a ranked team on the road, a place they hadn't won since 1999. I don't want to take any of that away. I will just say this in the same spirit. God, that's a badly written rule. Mm -hmm. And then they 
took away a great play, whoever you're rooting for, they took away a spectacular play because of a nebulous motion, you know? Right. And, and again, I, I, I hate to pick on the officials because I, I think they called it by the book. So I'm really not like, going against the officials here. I hate that the rule could be written in a way where a guy waggling his left arm under his shoulder could be misconstrued as a fair catch. Right, because let me, I played soccer. It's not the same. But when you're excited that something can be yeah. like coming your way. He's, he was obviously waving for people to get away from the football. He like, was hey, not yeah, yeah. calling a fair catch. Right, he's like, hey, hey, like to his guys, yes. right? And then to further, if you really go into the weeds, because people are texting me, right? Like, he did not call for a fair catch. It was an invalid catch, whatever. I'm like, basically, at the end of the day, it's the same, same thing. thing. And the what? I said, don't call it an invalid catch. It's either a fair catch or it's not. And it's obvious. He didn't raise his hand over his exactly. head. It wasn't obvious. Um, and, and then the rule even says you can point, but you can't kind of wave-ish your hand. And exactly. And that's, that's where I'm, I'm like, what? That's what bothers me. Badly written rules. Yes. Set, they always become obvious how badly they are written in crucial moments like that. And the kid made a spectacular play. It was play. a great Gene, right? Went down, scored. I was, I, I was like, oh, my gosh. I thought they were reviewing it that he stepped out of bounds Me too. and did something, right? Yeah. And then I was like, what, wait, what? What are they doing? And then Just, when you have to, like, pass out, like, the actual rule number, whatever, <laughs> blah, 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 and then you still, you're reading it going, well, wait a minute, so is an invalid hand signal? So... I, I just, I'm the same way. I, hey, it happened. I said, let me, for the first time, a Minnesota team was on the good end and of that's, a bad call. That's absolutely true. And Especially so, the Gophers. Right. So no apologies. Nope. You take it because it's happened to you in the past. But yeah, it's, it wasn't like we were talking about the Vikings. That's a feel good win. It was yes. more like, <laughs> still a feel good win. I'm yeah, giving that. I feel bad for that kid, but yay, Floyd, Floyd. All right, we, we have a couple women's sports topics yes. to get to. We do want to thank uh, Rudy Luther Toyota, longtime sponsor of the network. Ready for a women-forward car dealership? Rudy Luther Toyota empowers their many women on staff in sales, management, and service. Whether you are looking for a new Toyota or pre-owned vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota has something for everyone. Every vehicle comes with a Luther Advantage. 10 cents off fuel and car wash discounts at holiday stations, Luther Advantage warranty, and five-day return policy on pre-owned vehicles. Located just five minutes west of downtown Minneapolis, off 394 and General Mills Boulevard. And they're also hiring. Want to join the team but don't know where to start? Visit RudyLutherToyota.com today. I also want to let you know that all energy solar panel installations are done right and made easy thanks to more than 14 years of experience in Minnesota and beyond. All energy solar is ready to take any solar project, home, business, or both, from design to installation and everything in between. Find out more about going solar at allenergysolar.com slash coach, or just go to allenergysolar.com and learn everything you need to know about solar power and how it can benefit you. All right, uh, time to talk to women's sports. The Aces wrap it up. Dominant performance. They win with two starters out, which is remarkable against a very talented Liberty team. Awesome picture that someone took of her in the parade. Mm -hmm. Just kind of, I think she had like this half shirt with like yep. this fringe and she's just holding the trophy up. And, and like just to see the people, you know, in Vegas, like kind of cheering her on. I'm like, yes, like this is the, the torch has been passed. Um, 
but you've been calling it all along. She's kind of been your favorite player every single time we talk about this. Uh, to see her hoist that, I, I'm not mad that they're having a little dynasty. No, it's fun. Uh, dynasties, I think it's good for the game. I think dynasties are great because they give everybody something to shoot for, and when they come to town, everybody takes notice. Yeah. It's like it's my argument about baseball is I think I think it's good for baseball when the Yankees are good. Yep. It's also good when somebody beats the Yankees in the playoffs. But you want the Yankees to be good enough to care about them, and that's what Vegas is doing now. Is and building you need a superstar. You need someone yep. that isn't going to like yep. shirk it, kind of like, you know, oh, okay, all right, I'm a humble hero. One more, uh, one more topic I want to get to before we get to uh, Laura Oakman. Mara Braun um, is now on the Cheryl Miller watch list uh, as one of the top 20 players at small forward in the country. Uh, she has a chance to be really special. I'm really looking forward to watching her play. Uh, also, we're going to do something every week called the Aurora Moment. Uh, Andre Yak is one, was really the founder, along with a bunch of her, her friends and co-investors of Minnesota Aurora. It's been an incredible national success story, incredible Minnesota story. Um, do you have do you have an update? I do. They they started in Aurora too. This is how successful it is. Wow! So, uh, and tryouts are tryouts are now the registration is open. So if you want to try out, they're not till Saturday, December sixteenth in Stillwater, and then Sunday, January seventh up in Blaine, and that is for the number one Aurora team. But there's an Aurora two team that will be the feeder system to this because they're they're finding there's so much talent and so many unbelievable athletes that want to come play here. So just so you know, if you don't make it to those first two, there's the Aurora 2. And they have another um, product that has gone pro. Vienna Benke um, is now in the Greek Super League. And cool. that is the highest level of women's soccer that you can get in Greece. Uh, and so there, and there's five others. So now there are six pros that are coming. So now the Aurora is a feeder system to professional women's hockey and I mean women's soccer. And we say football too, just to make sure that when we include the European teams in there, um, just to see women's football, women's soccer, just kind of have a hotbed here and go to pros. It's just amazing to see. It's just, a, it's the best story I've seen in Minnesota sports in a long time. So congratulations to Andrea, all of her co-investors. Uh, everybody's helped, uh, you know, Nicole, everybody's put, helped put that thing together. Well, joining us now, Jim, I'm really excited to introduce everyone. If you haven't already seen her and heard her already, Laura Oakman, we go way back, but you've seen her on the NFL sidelines for years with Fox. You also hear her on Westwood One. Most recently, she covered the Bears game. Um, that was an exciting win if you are from Chicago. And I also want to get into one of her uh, brand new companies called Galvanize that I really enjoy. So joining us now, Laura Oakman. Laura, thank you. I know you are globetrotting around the world, um, nonstop red eyes. So thanks for joining us today. I appreciate it. Uh, it. It is my pleasure. Of all the things you said, my favorite part of the introduction was you and I go back a long way. So the hard part is usually when we see each other, it's running across sidelines, a quick hug and a quick run. So I'm just happy that I get some time with the two of you right now to just sort of sit and enjoy a conversation. We don't get that often. No, we don't. And that's what we're talking about with the joy of this um, podcast. And I want it is so many times, and you know, we're two minutes, ask two questions. Yeah. And get this, that there isn't the easy conversation that you can just kind of tell stories, not, not worry about a clock ticking in your head 
and and just enjoy. And I was talking to Jim about it as well, um, and we'll, we'll talk about it. But also, just the camaraderie, not only between you and I these years, but we have seen a shift over the past few years with women in this business supporting other women. Um, that now when we... See, this would just be you and me across the way, mm. or you know, maybe we would see Pam Oliver. Like it would be you and Pam, and ships passing in the night. But now there's so many different women, and you are, with your galvanized company, are really strengthening that. How has that been for you to see the younger women kind of not only come to you, but then they get jobs, and you see them out there working. And now we're at the point, you know, we've been around 12 years now. So now they're hiring each other and now they're in each other's weddings and now they're their godmothers to each other's babies. And, and, um, boy, it makes me feel so proud. I, I was going to say so old and I'm really doing my best not to make age jokes anymore because I hate them. And because one of the reasons I'm still doing what I'm doing is because I want these young women to see women over 50 still crushing it and living their best lives. And um, you and I never got to see that in our industry. And so I just know that at times I look around when I'm with all these women and I go, man, I would have killed for this. And then I think, well, if I would have had this, I would have never wanted to create it. And so it makes, if I would have had the choice in hindsight, you know, either you can be around, um, you know, surrounded by amazing women or you can create something uh, that's bigger than my job. I would take this all day. And it is, it's incredible. It's, we're past 5,000 women now. And so to see how I still get pictures from women who did a boot camp 12 years ago. And so to see them in these incredible jobs and in these incredible lives and their families, I'm not a mom. So it's, uh, it's, it's allowed my mother's heart to grow 10 sizes and let me feel like I have over 5,000 kids. You know, I, I'm glad you said that because there is, uh, there are a couple of women that I know that have done your camps and they said, listen, I don't even know if I want to be a sideline reporter, but I came away from it feeling empowered and feeling loved and feeling more than, and, um, that made my heart grow for you. So, cause you always think of what do you want to empower young women? You want the, them to make the choice. You don't have to go be a reporter. If you want to, that's great. But if you learn something that you can take for your life forward and feel better about yourself and to feel supported by other women, I think you've done the job exponentially already at that point. And and everyone in the beginning of Galvanize, when it first started, the majority, heavy majority, was women on camera. And that made sense because that's what I knew and that's sort of, you know, what I, I based it around is to help you all get better on camera. And, and I focused more on that. And then it started being off camera. And then it started being, hey, let's let's grab everybody in sports. And so now we do workshops and boot camps and I'll have 26 women and there's nobody on camera. And that's really, really important to me because I want to raise commissioners and I want to raise presidents and I want to raise general managers and head coaches. And so I love my women on camera but I really love my women who come to galvanize and say, I'm not sure yet what I want to do because 
you and I, as women, you know, 30 years ago, getting into this industry, the only thing we saw was a woman on a field holding a microphone. And if I was getting into it now, I wouldn't go near this job. I'd be going for the power. I'd be going to hire people. And so what I always say is kind of what you were saying. When you and I started, we could count women. And I used to at my first Super Bowl, my first Olympics, I'd always count women because I could. And so in the beginning, you know this, that you could count on one hand, then suddenly you could count on two hands. And now we could never count. There's so many women, which is amazing. But if we counted how many women are in power and how many women hire and how many women are truly in impactful positions that make and or change our industry, we're back to one hand again. And so that's really where my focus is now. If you come to our boot camp or our workshop, you would never know it's for sports. Even when we team up with all of these NFL teams, which we do, and we just did Notre Dame uh, men's and women's basketball teams, we still don't talk sports. It's all about who you are. And everything about it for these women is, I I don't care what your job is. I want to make sure when you leave here that I've helped you navigate a classroom, a boardroom, or a locker room. And our last cycle of workshops and uh, the last seminar I did, our youngest was 18 and our oldest was 53. We have a ton of galvanizers in their 30s and their 40s. And now in their 50s, because they're coming back for the dream and going, well, now I see other positions. I see player engagement. I see uh, management. And I see all these other things that I don't have to be 22 and out of college. And the cool thing is when you put them all together the young ones are intimidated because they're like, ah, what do I add? I, I don't know if I belong. My older ones are intimidated. They're like, I feel so old. I'm so behind. And they wind up inspiring each other in this really cool way that, again, has nothing to do with sports. I just hope they have the confidence, whatever they're stepping into in sports and in, in life and work, whatever, to just to finally get out of their heads and into their confidence. And I'm so glad you said that for years and people would say, well, why do you take the time? I've so, I've had interns in the past and one of mine, and I won't say her name, but she's now a police officer. Awesome. And, and she said, what I loved is when I told you I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do in college, you were about empowering me to make my decision and, and how to find my voice and how to speak up for myself. Um, and even at times where I think sometimes the interns notice when I'm put in positions where speaking up for myself, you get some clap back. Um, yeah. And they've learned like, okay, so if it's hard for her, if it's hard for Dawn, who I'm watching, to still stand up for herself in that situation and to do so professionally, um, it, I get that greatest feedback from the people who aren't doing what I'm doing because they're, they're following what they want to do. You know, so it's like, uh, I'm a mom now and I'm teaching my daughter the things that you told you taught me or, you know, I'm a police officer and thanks for having patience with me because I ultimately decided I didn't want to be a reporter. And I'm like, that's not what empowering other women is about. It's about having the choice and doing that. And you, you said something, Laura, that really um, stands out to me. And I say this sometimes to people and they look at me like I'm, I'm hypocritical when Sometimes when I see other women on the sideline, I'm like, I, I wish they weren't just on the sideline. So yeah. I get angry when it's the stereotypical job for a woman to start at. 
you know, like w- when you see a whole table of men doing the pregame show and one woman manning the ship. So when Fox told me, we want you to be on the table with the men, but we want you to be an analyst. We want you to say what you're thinking. Um, so that was out of the box. Have I hosted? I enjoy hosting. Yes. And then the other men are the analysts. But when they said, you know it just as well. I mean, you didn't play the game, but you know the game and you bring a different voice. People say, why do you like being on the desk for your Vikings pregame show so much? I go, because I get to be in that role. And women get to see me in that role. I'm not just, hi, welcome, and what do the guys think? It is, this is what I think. And um, I don't, when you look around, like you said, you know, you can count that on one hand. Yeah, and I think, um, I think, the position has never found its way. I think that every time you have a different producer, they view sideline reporters very differently. Some value them very much and know how important eyes and ears are down there. And some don't see the value at all and tell you that. And so it's a role that it shows that, right? Mm -hmm. It shows that on television, depending on the network and station that you watch um, and how active the reporter is and how inclusive, how inclusive the team is with usually a her, but sometimes a him. Mm -hmm. And I think um, it's changed a lot. You know, I'm I'm very, you brought up Pam Oliver and Pam's one of my closest friends and Pam and I talk a lot about this. And when Pam and I got to this level, Pam, you know, before me, but we already had our journalistic bones in, you know, yeah. we were, we were actual journalists. We were reporters. We had done news. We had done sports. We had anchored and hosted 30 minute, 60 minute shows. And I had worked at two twenty four hour networks by the time I got to a sideline position. And so it was, it was such, it was a position that was viewed very differently. Now it's become quote, the girl position, the girl mm-hmm. role. And what's happened is it's their first job and it scares me to death because Mm -hmm. the team reporter role, not all, but many, and the sideline reporter role, not all, but many, they are are gigs, but they're not going to be long lasting careers. And so I, 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 just at our last seminar, Pam was there and we were having a conversation in front of everyone. And you know, we're, I'm, you know, I think like at 33 years, Pam's probably five, six years longer than me. And saying if we would have started as, as sideline reporters, we would have never lasted over three decades. Mm-hmm. And that's what worries me about the position. But it, it, at the end of the day, you have to find whatever your role is, right? Like I did the desk for a long time and I didn't find my joy there. And so I, I find it in the field, but you just have to make sure that you are creating what you do better than anyone, you know, for a long time, I competed with my analysts and thought I was supposed to watch every single, you know, cut up and every film and everything they were watching. And then I one day finally realized, you know what, Daryl Johnson is a three-time Super Bowl champion. He is always going to know more football than me, but what can I do better than Daryl? And so I went, you know what, I can build relationships better. I can know the ins and outs of a locker room. I can get to know everyone. So I very much started owning my skills and and going, here's what I bring that no one else does. And to this day, when Daryl has to get someone's phone number or ask me about how a locker room is, Daryl calls me and, you know, and goes, what have you heard about this? Or Mm -hmm. do you have this person's phone number? Because he knows how hard I work at that. And so I think it's just always making sure, even as a woman, when you're put in that box to go, how do I get out of this box? And and if you're feeling like you're, 
finally, I'll just say this. What's frustrating with that is I'm a 50-something-year-old woman who can easily get out of my box now, right? I finally have my voice and my confidence, and I can speak up and defend myself. But if I'm 23 years old and I'm put in a box Mm -hmm. and my producer says, you have no value, we can do this game tomorrow and you don't need to be here. Nobody will, you know, bat, bat an eye, which is what I was told. They are going to carry that, not just for a Saturday or Sunday, they're going to carry that until therapy. Right. They're going to carry that until they eventually go, okay, I do have value and I do have worth. And that's what I hate about these positions right now for women, which is we're just put in a box and that takes a long time to get out of it, a lot of confidence. And that's hard at 23, 26 years old. Yeah. And I think people also don't know the inner working sometimes. So when I did sidelines for Fox, I did them for regional and it's not like the crew that you're with every single game. You know, there are some people, they have the same crew, you know, the A crew or the B crew, you, you have your same producers, directors, announcers. I would get a new director, new crew every single time. So you're basically going in cold. You know, and they're like, okay, so this is what we're looking for in a sideline reporter. Um, and and you do that. So one would tell me, hey, Don, sell me your story. Like if you see something and you want to talk about it and the game, sell it to me. Like talk to me in the headsets, talk to me. Another director would be like, um, I only come to you for injuries, injuries and halftime updates, you know? Uh, and so you... For me, like you, I had already been in the business a minute before I started doing it. I'm like, okay, so I'm getting a different person. I'm getting a different style. Let's see what I like. Um, You know, I've had to work for some stories. Hey, that guy that's on the offensive line, that guy that's on the defensive line, they're they're jawing at each other. They're like best man at each other's weddings. Like what? Sure, we'll come down to you. Then they'll come down to you and you tell that story. But then there was a a guy that I knew, I'm not going to say his name, he's still a really good friend of mine. We worked before he became a big director. And he's like, Don, you know what? We've known each other for like 15 years, 20 years. You know I love you. I'm only going to come to you if there was an injury. And that's it. And so I said to him, do I still get paid the same? He goes, yeah. I go, all right. You know, but that was me. If I were 20 years old and he said that to me, I would feel not valued. Um, and now I'm at the point in my life too, that if I don't feel valued, I will tell people. Like, uh, you know, I'll either come out and say, I don't feel valued in this moment, or you let them know in other ways. But you're right, Laura, a 20 year old, they're, they're in therapy or they get out of the business. There's so many women People are like, well, where are they now? And I want to show, like, wow. Like, I was afraid, just like you were saying, I was afraid to say this is my 20th Viking season that I'm covering. You should, for, be, you should be proud of that. Well, exactly. for years, I've lied and said I'm 28, right? And, and I know, I say <laughs> so I lied. So you started young. I, you know, I was it's eight okay. years old when I started. Yeah. So now that's a joke, but, you know, ageism is still a real thing. My very Yeah, first, I don't my, joke about it. Yeah, I don't. It's not funny. My very first agent, who's no longer my agent, saw what year I graduated from college and basically signed me. And he said, it's a good thing. Like you're not in your thirties because once a woman hits 30, their history and, but you're perfect. You're exactly what we want. You're mid twenties, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, wow, like you just showed me what you, you just said, what we think happens, but it does happen. So I'm like, well, then I'm, I'm just going to stay in my twenties. Then if this is what people think, I'm never going to turn 30. Um, and so, and then, you know, then other women will say to you like, well, I don't have a problem with my age. And I'm like, I have no problem with my age, but my business does. So I'm not going to let people know. But then after a while, you're like, you know, I've been doing this a minute. Like, don't treat me like I've been here five minutes. Um, so 
it, it is that balance and hopefully, you know, more of us can be like, yes, this is, this is my 20th Viking season. And, and it's not the first team I've covered. So you mm-hmm. do the math, <laughs> right? You can, you can happily do the math. So I just want to thank you. I know that throughout our years, um, and you and I have been through some stuff and that we'll have that five minutes, but I can come to you and I can be like, this is how I'm feeling about the business and where I am in life. And can you give me advice? And you will take, you will take that time, Laura, I don't care if you're going to be on in five minutes, you took that time and you would have that conversation with me that probably has helped me stay in the business. So I wanted to publicly thank you, even though I know uh, I've personally that. done that. It, it's, um, I, I'm so glad that at this age, I've gotten to see, um, I think sometimes it's, it's usually an older thing when you're in your fifties or your sixties or older, and then you look back, right. And you kind of go, ah, I did my job, but I wish I would have done this. I wish I'd have done this. And I'm really grateful that I feel like I had a mom who died young. And she died at 51. And so I understand how precious it is. And I understand how rare it all is, you know, to be able to live a long, full life. So I've always tried to pack a lot in and find my purpose um, early because I know my mom was just finding hers when she passed away. And so I get calls constantly, not just from galvanizers, but from women who are older than me in the business who, uh, who, don't have women peers or women friends. And I also know that they haven't been great to women, but mm. suddenly they're, they're dealing with the ageism stuff and they'll go, I don't know who to call. And so I've heard you're a champion and, and you empower. And so they'll call me and that's the stuff where I'm mm. like, you know, cool. I love my job. And at the end of the day, why I'm still doing it is because I get, because I'm using it while it's using me. And that was important for me at this age to feel that way. But I also know that I'm really proud of um, the that that a woman who has held the door open for me still feels like I'd be someone that she can trust. So you saying that means more than any hit, right? Or more than any story I ever do. I feel like that's where my mom's legacy is in me, you know, of making sure that I've thought about uh, who I am, not just what I'm doing. And, and people don't realize there are those other women, and I witnessed it firsthand. Uh, I had a, a friend of mine, and this is way back in the day, was working behind the scenes at ESPN, and we were on a baseball field. And I'm not going to name this other woman, but this this pay, this guy, this runner, that's what we call them, came running over to um, my friend and said, you need to get off the field. Mm. And we're thinking there's an emergency. Like, what? Is there a story goes, hey, you know, you need to leave the field. And I'm just listening because he interrupted our conversation. And she said, well, why? And he said, you just have to go. And she goes, well, why? Is is there a story? What? He says, no, X says she will be the only female from ESPN Uh, representing on the field today. Oh my God. And this is a big name. And I looked at my friend and I said, you do not leave this field. And she goes, no, I have to, I have to, it's X. Um, And I think I've always felt, and I was young in my career. um, I think I, in that moment, made me double down on, I don't care 
I, I will help whatever woman. I had Leslie Visser, who was like, every time I see another woman on the field, Dawn, I'm so excited. I had the exact opposite as a mentor. Um, but it made me double down because you hear that it exists. But until you actually see it and witness it, it doesn't really make you mad. That made me mad. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and I've never looked at that person the same way. They don't even know, but I've never looked at that person the same way again. And I will be like, if any woman wants me to help, I don't care. Someone said, well, what if you help a woman who gets your job? I said, then I wasn't meant to hold on to it. Like mm-hmm. I am not white knuckling any job because I will never do to another woman what I just saw done there. Um, it, it still to this day gets me mad and it was many, many years ago, but so people are like, Oh, that really happens. I said, it happens. Some women mm. want to be the only woman, but I have found over the past few years and, and maybe the times are changing younger women supporting younger women. And, um, and like, I love seeing Carissa Thompson and Aaron Andrews be such good buddies. Cause so many people for years wanted to pit them against each other to see them do the calm down podcast and to be really good friends. And I'm like, yes, this is what it's about. This is what I feel when I see Laura. This is what I feel when I see Pam Oliver or, or Stacy Dales, you know, we're all, we're all in that little dank off the field restroom trying to get our lipstick and try to look the part and you're in these awful conditions that we just bound together and now I, I just see kind of a tribe of women um, coming forward in addition to your talent and knowing your your stuff um, and, and that what that brings me forward Laura because I just want to say like the Bears game that you're most recently at when Tyson Bajan won and your on-field interview, I just want to say, like, as a person that does this, it was fantastic because people don't know who this kid is really, you know, his first NFL win. You brought that joy and you brought the kid out in him. How was that for you after doing millions of interviews to be able to do that? I know I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, I do too. It's it's almost every time, you know, after so long, you think, We've pretty much done every story, right? Like right. it's a different face and maybe they're from a different place, but I'm so thankful when you get a story like that and just go, oh, this is, reminds me of why I fell in love and stayed in love with sports. And um, we had talked to him enough that week and I already knew how lovely he was, but I also knew how um, he reminded me very much of Brock Purdy. And we had, we had Brock a lot last year and, and have had him again this year. Um it, it's almost like you want to be like, but isn't this so exciting? Like, come on, you know, and <laughs> you feel that and they're so calm and they're so cool about it. And I love that. But I also, you know, was thinking about that for my post game as it looked like it was happening where I was like, oh, okay, you know, we only get two questions, which is impossible sometimes, you know, you, you, mm-hmm. you know, like you, you just pray for a follow-up that you can't have. But um, I was really grateful that, the last 10 years, probably I have really focused so much more on who players are versus what they do. And I've called the last, you know, few seasons since COVID my season of purpose and Mm -hmm. tried to really make sure that I'm showing who these men are and who their families are. And, you know, and, and I think I shied away from those stories early because I was so worried they were women's stories or Mm girl stories. And so I never wanted to tell them. And now that's all I do is, you know, I'm obsessed if it doesn't matter if it's a football field or if I'm sitting next to you on an airplane, you know, like I just die, like want to know what you've overcome in life. And so I loved getting that with him because I was trying to think, you know, while the clock's winding down, like, okay, how do I do this? And, you know, you understand this, 
where I was like, if I, if I make it about him, I'm not going to get anything. And if you watch the interview, it was my favorite thing in the world because um, it's his first network interview. And that, there is some nerves with that. And I saw that and he came over and he couldn't be lovelier about, you know, like how great to kind of bookend our weekend together. And so the second question, when I said, let's inspire some people today. And he nodded at me. Yes. And that's how I wanted him out of his head to go, let's not make this about you. Let's make this bigger because I know he wants to inspire. And he took it like a seasoned vet. Because if I just would have said to him, what does this mean to you? Right. It would have been the cliche, right? Like, it, yeah. you know, I'm happy to get the win. I'm happy, da, da, da. But the second he nodded, I just, you know, I realized that these young men um, and young women, again, I just worked with Notre Dame uh, women's basketball team. So the same thing, their platform so much better than athletes did 30 years ago or 20 years ago that they get, I don't need to talk about me. And if I'm not talking about my teammates, if I'm going to inspire somebody, I'm going to dive into this. And so even with two questions, I would have killed for five more, but I loved his answer. And I loved, um, I loved the genuineness of it. And sometimes even though he's about to do a press conference and get, you know, pummeled with, you know, 50 questions, sometimes those raw two questions right off a field are really meaningful because they haven't, PR hasn't talked to them yet and they haven't had time to come down. It's just really how they feel. And I felt that was like a lovely true answer that he gave about really wanting to make sure that every other division two, division three kid that's told you don't belong here realizes where he is right now at this moment. And I thought he shared that beautifully. Oh, it was, it was fantastic. And people don't realize you only get two questions. Sometimes you get one, right? Um, It reminded me uh, eons ago, and it was here um, when Brett Favre was still with the Packers and he came here and remember he, he had the touchdown record for a little bit, but I was doing the sidelines and the producer tells you, they said, first of all, Don, you have to get the interview because he wouldn't tell us, you know, usually they secure it mm-hmm. for you. He's like, he, he, he won't do it. Um, or he hasn't said he would. So the director's mayor, you, you have to secure Brett. So thankfully I'd covered the Packers in the past. So I went to Aaron Popke who works, used to be PR. He's up there. He's on the field. I go, you know, if, I, I want to get his interview. And he said, I'll talk to Brett in the timeouts. So then he comes over and goes, he said, if he wins, he'll do it. I'm like, okay, great. So now it looked like they were going to win. And then the director says, my ear, Don, he cannot say this means nothing to him. He can't say that. Right. And so I was like, okay, so, you know, like, Laura, you have to craft a question a certain way. And it also helps if you know the athlete a little bit, like you're saying, this guy's young, you kind of, you have to read into like his foibles or, or how to use it. So I'm like, it's Brett Favre. And he can't say this touchdown record means nothing. So all of a sudden I go, okay, I got it. Because you know, Brett Favre too, he's all about the team, right? So I'm like, well, they just improved to four and oh. I said, so I'm just going to weave it in there. And Brett can talk, right? So I'm like, I only got one question. And people like that was a great interview. I got one question. And I basically said, Brett, you improved to 4-0. and You came in here. You got a win with this team. That means nothing more to you. And on top of it, you get the quarter, you get the touchdown record. You know, Dawn, you're absolutely right. And then it goes on for like five minutes. But you, it's almost like you learn in J school. You can't ask a yes or no question. You have to ask it so that they can answer it. But then... Uh, you have to ask it, right? You don't want, you didn't want Tyson to shut down. So you have to ask it to open it up. Just like with Favre, I didn't want to be like, nope, no, the touchdown means nothing. I won. You're like, so you have to couch it. So sometimes people at home don't realize 
like I, I got I got one or two shots to to kind of to create this. Um, so, but it all so much of it is the relationship of I I know I learned as a young reporter. I covered the Bulls. I covered Michael Jordan playing baseball. And I remember one time kind of stalking him, waiting for him, walking out of the parking lot to the locker room pregame. And I was waiting in a place and like kind of jumped out and was like, Michael, la, 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 you know, whatever I needed. And he stopped and he kind of like put his hand out and he's like, Laura, hello, I'm good. How are you? And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And he was like, no, no, no. I get it. Like, I, I know what you're doing. I know you have four, you know, 34 seconds. He's like, but you know, hello. And that was the greatest gift he could have given a young reporter. I was probably 25 at the time of got it. And always making sure I never, ever, ever start any interview. And that's pretty hard post game when people, you know, you're running, you're grabbing someone, but I will always hear Michael Jordan in my ear telling me to slow down and say hello. And so yep. I make sure even if my producer's yelling, go, 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 I put that microphone down and I congratulate. I say something to connect me with him first. Yes. And at this point, we pretty much know everybody. You know, we cover 32 and I've been around a long time. And that helps, right? Like it's just the difference of just popping a microphone in someone's face and saying, tell me, or I want to know, or, you know, what do you think? And it's just being a human. There's no trick to that. It's just you know, it's just the kindness and just of treating everybody like you want to be treated. And at the end of the day, that's always going to make someone open up in a much more, um, much more vulnerable way and a much more genuine way. Is there any other failure that you have done that you share with people um, like that to be like, hey, listen, you know, I've, I've been there. I've done that. Like, what was the hardest thing that you've ever had to do? And, and, I, and publicly, obviously. Um, oh, yeah, because privately, publicly, I, yeah. you know, with galvanize, I always say when I always tell the women, you know, who, who get who are as hard as themselves as we were um, then about making a mistake, I always say to them, do you guys ever hear me teach from a successful thing I've done? Like it's <laughs> I, if I you know, I never do galvanize is always about what I always about. I hate to say my failings, my lessons. Yes. And so probably the biggest one I always talk from Michael, that's a big one I always share with Michael. But the other one that was the most embarrassing and the most valuable and invaluable was kind of the same principle where one time um, I called Charles Barkley and a young reporter and um, was fortunate enough to know him with the dream team. And um, I was working in Montgomery, Alabama. He's from Alabama. So we had, you know, we had paths across. And so I, call, I, I called one day and he answered the phone and he said, well, 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 Laura Oakman, what do you need? And I said, Charles, can a girl just call and say hello? And he said, a girl can, you just never do. And he's like, I'm not trying to give you grief. I, anybody knows Charles Barkley would not have said grief, but I'm not trying to give you grief. <laughs> I just know when you call, you need something. So what do you need? Oh. And that just crushed me because at that age, I thought, well, why else would I call Charles, you know, to say, you know, great game or what'd you do this weekend or like, and nervous about lines crossing. And so right, right. I didn't know what to say to him. So I just never did, but then realized also what that meant, how that looked. So that's the most important lesson ever I've learned in life and in work about reaching out when I don't need things and how to build relationships differently. And I still call Charles and thank him for that. And um, it's, you know, it's, I'm really fortunate. Like when I started teaming up galvanize and NFL players, I, I called a lot of players 
for over all these years to ask them, hey, I'm trying to build trust between these two sides. I'm trying to I'm trying to teach empathy and respect. And when I got in with you, can you help me teach that? Like, what did I do that you said, I like her and I trust her and I'm going to let her in? And they would all say the same thing. And they would say, because you reached out 10 times, but you've only asked for things once. And so I would call Charles immediately and say, thank you. You know, thank you for the gift of that lesson. So that's that really is probably my most embarrassing moment of mm. Michael and Charles and what cool people to teach me those lessons. But being a young reporter who wasn't ready for those moments, I wasn't ready to cover Michael. I wasn't ready to cover Charles. And I'm really fortunate that those people taught me those lessons, but they taught me them in Montgomery, Alabama and in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So by the time I got to CNN, by the time I got to to Turner or Fox, um, like I, I learned those lessons with some pretty cool people but I was finally ready for not just, you know, being on camera, but more importantly, um, the responsibility of telling people's stories that came with it. Yeah, because it, there's a trust level that an athlete kind of gets with you. Yeah. And, and and they have to know that they can trust you. And I think one of the, the hardest lessons, and it will always be this way until the end of time, that I don't know how we can change it. And I was just talking to one of my coworkers about it. Um, that if, especially if you're young and in your twenties and you're a female and you're starting out, you, you can't, I didn't, I did not go into a locker room unless I had my photographer Yeah, because they think you're in there for something else. And I did not keep players numbers in my phone. And I remember when I first got here and I had worked in Chicago for five years and I came here for the interview and I remember my GM at the time, Carol Ruppel, saying, would you mind if I looked at your phone and saw your sources and see your sources to see how well sourced you are? And I said, I can hand you my phone and you can look at them, but you won't find a source in there. You won't, you won't find a male player source if, if that's what you're looking for. And I said, those are up in my old fashioned Rolodex locked in my desk. And she's like, what? And I said, if a woman has a a male athlete's personal number in her phone, it can, it can just, people can think it's a whole different relationship. And so I kept those lines very separate. Um, And I, cause I said, I think I have to police my own career. I don't want the wife thinking I'm calling for a different reason. I don't want, you know, I don't want my bosses thinking I'm blurring lines. And that's just something I carried over from when I was, I mean, my, my first job was in Boston, right? And you don't blur those lines. I grew up with the yeah. whole Lisa Olson issue and I love Lisa, yeah. um, but you learn those lessons. And I, I was like, I, this might take me longer to, um, but I'm not calling them unless I have a reason. But I specifically made sure that when I saw them at the ballpark or at the rink or at something else that I would say, hey, how are you? And have a conversation. So they knew that if I called, it was for something. But um, I, I learned that the hard way. There was, there was a, a couple of, and this is eons ago, but like the Celtics wives did not want me in the locker room. Um, and I'm like, I'm like their kid sister. I'm not, I'm not after anything else. Um, so there's a lot of other hurdles that young women have to deal with. Um, that men don't have to deal with. Um, yeah. And now as you get older, like, you know, it's more like, well, you know, this could be my nephew, you know, this can, then the younger they got, this, this guy could be my son. Um, it, it's probably not the same, but it's really hard, 
I would say for women. So I said, you know, I don't, unless it's um, a family friend or something, I, I don't, I don't just go fishing with an athlete. I just, I'm not, I'm not going to meet th them out after a game. I go, that was my personal policy, you know, unless I'm related to him or he's married <laughs> to one of my good friends, I'm not doing it. But now you get to a certain age where you're like, okay, I've built a established reputation. People know that, you know, you know, this person, but, um, it, it is, it's very difficult, but you also have to balance that with not coming across like you always want something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think that's what's so cool about women finally teaming up and women sharing um, is we've all had to do it differently. We've all come up with the same obstacles and the same stereotypes and the same perceptions. And um, I think there's something really cool about sitting and having a glass of wine with contemporaries and asking nowadays, how'd you get through that and not judging it yes. and being like, really, like you did that. I actually did it this way. And yet here we all are. So exactly. I think, right. So there's no right way. There's no wrong way. I think the hard thing about doing it all those years ago was just, you didn't have anyone to ask, you know, my best friend for 20 years was Stuart Scott and Stuart, when Stuart and I first met, Stuart was at ESPN too. So like Stuart was just coming up. And so I just remember one day I walked into the Bulls. Um, it was actually the day Alonzo Morning was being traded to the Heat and they were playing the Bulls. And it was um, a game and we were all waiting for Pat Riley to come do the presser. And I walked in there and it was all men. And as I'm looking around, it's all white men. And Stuart was in there. And I looked at Stuart like of being really loud and out there, you know, of like, and I just sat there looking at him like, isn't that interesting? Like, I'm the only woman right now. Stuart's the only person of color. I'm hiding in a corner and I don't want any, anyone to notice me. And Stuart very much wanted to walk in a room and be noticed. Mm -hmm. And we would talk about that, you know, for 20 years and the difference of, um, of why I was the way I was, why he was the way he was. And also uh, it, just with him always being able to cultivate relationships and to be able to, um, to figure out who he was and then watch me with the same work ethic and watch us as we were kind of, you know, building together and seeing the differences. And there were, I loved having him. I loved having him. He was the most important voice in my head and, you know, my heart for a very long time. But there were things I would always say, you just don't understand. Like you can't, you just can't, you have to be a woman in this business to get it. And so I just always think, if I would have had women friends back then going through it, I, I think, you know, we probably would have helped each other make a lot fewer mistakes. I think there were some things I wish I wouldn't have done. That I just didn't know better. And um, there were some, you know, my mom had just died. I'm throwing into this world and mm -hmm. no other women and kind of just trying to fend for myself and not wanting to ask anyone for help. And so my head was so down just like in front of me, just trying to take one foot against the other, you know, and just trying to figure this life out. So I wasn't looking behind to see, you know, is there someone else that I can help? I wasn't looking ahead. Maybe, you know, maybe Leslie Visser could help me or Lisa Olson. And I certainly wasn't looking to the side to see if there were any sisters, you know, going through it. I just, I struggled hard. I was, you know, very depressed and um, had a really cool job. And because everyone kept telling me how cool my job was and I knew it, I never wanted to seem ungrateful. Mm -hmm. I never wanted to any, for anyone to think I was lonely. I was depressed because I was covering Michael Jordan and the Bulls and how amazing and it was. But also I know it was a really hard time in my life because 
I desperately would have loved to have had another woman who had went through it or who were going through it, who was going through it to be able to say, how are you handling this? And um, I think that's why, you know, every day I thank God for Galvanize, which is just, I tell them constantly, do not, not, I hate double negatives, but do not not call me if you've made a mistake, because that's what I'm here for. I will never judge you. I want to be that first call that you go, I stepped over a line because we can't figure out our lines until we cross over them as a woman in any male dominated industry or a person in any, you know, when they're the, when they are the anomaly in whatever room they're in. And that's hard when you're a young woman trying to figure out your line and everybody's telling you, you know, like, do this, do this, don't do this. And it's hard. So anyway, I say all that to say, like, we all have to figure out, you know, going back to what you said, we all had to figure out our way to do it. And um, probably most of us made some mistakes along the way. But if we're still in this business, what my hope is always that we stop looking them as mistakes, we start looking at them as lessons, and they're important lessons. And now what I would say is, on my deathbed, those things that I thought, oh God, like those were mistakes I made. I hope that those are some of my favorite flashbacks. I hope that all the mess that I thought was so terrible winds up being some of my most fun stories and fun memories to look back at and go, man, I was just a young kid trying to figure it out in a pretty cool scenario or a pretty cool backdrop, you know, that we all get. Well said, well said. And I thank you for being that for me. Um, even from across fields, and I am so proud, and I can't wait. If you bring Galvanize to Minnesota, I will be there to cheer you on, help you, do whatever you want, because I know from when when you started this, I was like, this is amazing, anything you need, and just to see it grow into what it is, it just, I'm like, yes, that is paying it forward. That is shining the light, And, um, and you are a light. So thank you, Laura. I really appreciate it. I appreciate it. And right back at you. Thank you for everything you do for the generations that are coming, coming, that keep coming, that keep coming, the generations behind us, and for being such a good friend along the way. So um, I can't tell you how much I've loved watching your career, watching you grow, more importantly, off camera as a person and your happiness. So I can't thank you guys enough for having me on and just this conversation. Yes. And be careful on those red eyes. Right? There's so many germs out there, girl. I'm like, just protect yourself. Thank you you for not putting me on Zoom today, you guys. (laughs) Thank you for not making me get shower and look presentable today. Oh, you should see what Jim and I look like. No, you shouldn't, actually. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much. Have a great week. Thanks, you guys. Love you, girl. Appreciate the conversation. (laughs) Okay. Same here.